Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our July Men's Ministry podcast for a Servant's Heart Men's Ministry. Uh, very excited today. We're going to be doing our second part to our lesson on Philemon, on how to make an appeal. And so if you haven't listened to part one, please go to our website and check it out. It's under uh, Sermons and Podcasts, May Men's Ministry. Listen to it so that you could follow along with the second part. Otherwise, uh, I'll do a quick recap as well. But uh, the first lesson I thought was uh, interesting. I got a lot of good feedback. So thank, thank all of you that gave me feedback on that. I really do appreciate it. So let's go ahead and get started. Our general outline for our meetings is we will always read our mission statement. We're going to go through some current events, going to go through our calendar, then we'll do our Bible study, and that'll be that. It should take anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, so hopefully you have some time to listen to me today. Our mission is to glorify God through service and biblical principles applied to everyday life. We are to become leaders in our households, ministry, workplace, and wherever God calls us. So our mission as men is to be leaders wherever we're called. A couple of announcements. Um, I was ready to ask some of you men about having an in-person meeting in August. But uh, when we get to the current events, we'll see why that is not the case. <clears throat> However, if it's less than 10 of us, we might be able to do it. I don't know. We'll see. We have to read the guidelines and follow them accordingly. Uh, so for the next two months, at least, it'll be a recorded podcast. I was getting ready to go back in person, but not quite there yet. Uh, sorry for no June class. Uh, was uh, with Pastor Steve. We were doing the evangelism class, and we did those weekly. And uh, it took some time and some preparing preparation. So hope you guys enjoy those evangelism classes. For those of you that know me, they, uh, evangelism is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I think is the foundation to any Christian church, and even as an individual, you know, love for the lost has to be our driving force. So. This is men's ministry, not evangelism, so I'll stop right there. Um, we are planning a December outreach, and so I'm going to start planning that with uh, some of you men, uh, church leaders and all that, Pastor Gigi, Pastor Steve, our senior pastor Steve, uh, some of the other men, see what resources we need. We're trying to keep it in a budget, but the outreach, outreach is to help those in need and preach the gospel, because again, evangelism. So... Uh, our services are still being live streamed, although for the past month or so we had some people show up. So thank you to all those that showed up. Church is still going through some changes. And so um, we're excited about it. It looks pretty neat. For those of you that have gone, it looks pretty nice. Our marriage podcast is coming soon. That's been on hiatus for a while too due to the evangelism class. But the lesson has been ready for about a month. I think Adrian could attest to that. Uh, the lesson has been ready. So we just have to restudy it and podcast it. Let's go to some current events. So, uh, unemployment continues to drop, but is that real? I mean, I still see a lot of people out of work. So, you know, it, it, you have to be fair when it comes to these things. Uh, it is getting better, but how much better is it really getting? We don't know, but keep an eye out there. Um, there's been over 130,000 deaths due to coronavirus. Um, interesting statistic. It's unfortunate, you know, we pray for all those souls that have been lost. We pray that they knew Jesus Christ before doing so. Uh, neat little story I wanted to show you guys uh, might have changed now but last week Downtown Disney opened and people waited overnight to go into Downtown Disney not even the park but the restaurants they waited overnight think about that man that's really something else uh, in, in evangelism class we call it idolatry but here we're going to call it idolatry too so uh, anyhow uh, 
COVID cases, coronavirus cases are on the rise again. But why? But why? That's the question. I put a post on Facebook a couple of days ago and I got some good feedback from friends, uh, dear friends of mine that I love very much that I disagree with completely, but I love them nonetheless. And I, I hope I stayed respectful on that post. Uh, but I love all the all of you the guys that, that have a different opinion. That's okay. You know, we, we we're not if we all agreed we would be robots. So we're not robots, we're human beings. So that's good that we have different thoughts. Uh but here's the thing. This is the only thing I'll say about the whole coronavirus thing. Most of the cases are coming from the age group sixteen to forty nine. So young people, right? And no judgment, uh, you know, they, they protested, they party, they, they go to the beach, do all kinds of they do a lot of gatherings. Whether it's right or wrong, that's your opinion. But bottom line, they're doing a lot of gatherings. Unfortunately, this same demographic does not go to church. In fact, the average church attendance, the average age of a person that attends church is 65, according to Barna. So it's interesting that the government wants to shut churches down when the demographic that's spreading the disease doesn't even go to church. Although they should. I mean, I wish they did. Don't get me wrong. So, um, I mean, I wish... And, and that would be a nice problem to have. Imagine if all the young people are going to church and... We have to close it down because it's, 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 you know, it's a hazard. So that would be a neat thing to happen, but it's not. So, you know, just some of that, those things going on, you know, Walmarts are open, but small businesses are not, you know, not, not downplaying the coronavirus at all. I think even on my Facebook post, you heard me say it. It's very serious, very real. It's killed 135,000 people. So how could you just turn a blind eye to that? You can't, but you know, there's more to it than that. And I just hope you can have a, a nice dialogue about that and realize that, you know, there's other forces in play. So, with that, is the end of the current events. Uh, normally, I like to have a guest speaker, but because we're doing a couple of series, um, I'm not going to have a guest speaker probably for a while. Uh, I'm doing the second part of Filament today, and next month, uh, I'm going to go through another series, uh, going back to preparation, but I'll discuss that topic at the end of our lesson. So, now we go to our Bible lesson, which is how do we make an appeal right and this is outside of our theme of preparation which is the men's ministry overall overarching goal for the next few uh, couple of years but how do we make an appeal you know and i think paul gives us a real nice biblical model for that and that's what we're gonna uh study and so for those of you that listen to part one why are we studying this because as men and not just as men but as humans in general we exert authority right whether we're a customer a man, leader in your work, be it a manager or anything like that, head of household. You know, as men, we have leadership positions, whether we know it or not. You know, and so we need to, and so in, in those positions, we need to make appeals to those that are around us. And we need to do it with love. So, uh, not to recap all of lesson one, but I'm going to go through Vi- uh, Philemon, shortest uh, chapter in the Bible. Um, the first three verses, you know, Paul uh, calls himself a prisoner. You know, and he's making an appeal to to Philemon about Onesimus, who is a slave. And so the way he approaches them is, you know, he, he prays for him, right? My, you know, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. So he's appealing to him as a fellow equal, right? And uh, from 4 to 9, you know, he butters them up a little bit, right? I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. So he's always asked Philemon in his prayers. Because I hear of your love. And of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus towards all the saints. So again, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's showering them with love and admiration as we should. And it's sincere. So it's not, it's not, you know, phony or anything. It's very sincere. He, he really, as a believer, you really do need to love your fellow brother, right? So, um, you know, he goes through that through all the way through verse nine. And then, uh, and now we're going to start at verse 10. 
So this is the second part of Philemon. So he's prayed for him. He opens up in prayer, greets him, tells him, you know, calls him a fellow brother, mentions that he prays for him. So now, you know, he's buttered him up. Right? And in verse 10 begins the appeal. And it reads, it literally says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begun in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful to both you and me. So let me start right there. That was verses 10 and 11. So again, clearly, right, I'm making an appeal, right? But he calls Onesimus a child, right? And uh, and begotten. You know, begotten is language you use for your firstborn, which means, you know, in this case, Paul sees uh, Onesimus as a firstborn to salvation. He helped lead him to salvation. So he has that connection with them as a child, as a begotten child. In my imprisonment, so, you know, while they were in, imprisoned, Right, and then here he goes. It says, "Who was formerly useless to you?" You know, Philemon is a believer. Onesimus wasn't. So, as an unbeliever, he was useless. But then he says, "But now he's use, useful to both you and me." So, you know, now he's useful to both of them because he's a believer. Couple of notes here. Onesimus is a common slave name at the time, right? So, keep in mind that this name is very common among slaves. And, you know, he's calling him a child, a begotten child. So he's using real terms of endearment here. And saying that as a Christian, he's useful again. This is the first time, I guess there's a pun in Christianity. Because uh, Onesimus is a slave name and it, and it means useful. <laughs> and so he's saying, you know, Onesimus, that means useful is useful. You know, Paul uses a lot. I don't know if he meant that as a humor or not. But man, it sure is. It's one of those first puns in Christianity, in biblical Christianity, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, he did, uh, Paul, as you can see throughout this chapter, he's using play on words, right? He's referring to himself as a prisoner, you know, you know, he, he's using pity. And so he's using, uh, you know, it's just, the language is very interesting. And, um, but still the point is coming across directly and with love. So that's the most important thing. Let's go on to verse 12. I have sent him back to you in person, that is sending my very heart, whom I have wished to keep with me so that you, are, so that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. So what's going on here? He calls them his heart. He sent when he sends Onesimus, he's not only sending him, he's sending his heart a part of him. I mean, think about the term of endearment of a slave. You know, as a Christian, slave or not, we are equal. And not only equal, but a brother, a loved brother, and someone, I mean, you're parting himself. Interesting he used that language. He also used that same language in verse 7. Uh, in verse 7, he put, uh, For I have come to you much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. So, you know, he's using that language again, you know, at equating, you know, Onesimus to, to heart, to love, you know. So, for whom I have wished to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment of the gospel. So now he's basically saying, hey, you know, I'm sending him back to you, but I still need him. So, uh, you know, Paul is going through a struggle. He realized that as a, as a believers in Jesus Christ, the right thing to do was for Onesimus to go back. So we don't know what happened. We don't know if he escaped or he had bought his freedom, although he likely escaped. But we don't know. But bottom line is, Onesimus has separated from his master. You know, again, slave language, you know, that's what, that was, that's what it was at the time. So, you know, let's not, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the, on the, the theme here, which is there was a separation between an employer, an employee, master, slave, however, you know, but there's a separation. And as believers, the reason why he's asking him to go back is because 
he needs to make things whole. He needs to uh, repent. So, uh, you know, he's sending him back, but there's a struggle because Paul still needed Onesimus. So that's how valuable he had become, that he needed him. However, he, we needed to do the right thing as Christians. And how often does that happen where as believers, man, we need that person. We need, you know, I, I have, I'm, I, you know, I, I own my own business. You know, we have key employees that we need, but when they need to grow, you got to let them go. You know, they got to grow. So, and the same thing with your loved ones, you know, your daughters, you know, my, my beautiful Sophia, one day she's going to be an adult and we're going to have to let her go and grow up, you know, so th- this sort of thing happens. And, and it happens even among uh, disciples, because remember, you know, Paul was following the Great Commission, which is making disciples of all nations. One of them was a disciple. And so now he's, you know, man, that, that's some struggle he's going through there. So, um, Paul realized that the right thing to do was send one of back. And once the was ready to face whatever awaited him. So he knew something had gone awfully wrong. And he was w- ready to face the consequences. So, man, think of the shortest chapter in, in the Bible really has the most punch, I think. Uh, one of the chapters that has the most punch. So let's go on to, uh, to verse 14. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. Verse 15, for perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. So separated. So something happened, right? There was a separation. We don't know why. Likely an escape. Was he running away? It doesn't matter. In any case, Paul is basically saying, hey, this, this separation was a divine intervention because had the separation had happened, one of would never would have never come to Christ. So, you know, it was divine. So Paul is saying, hey, <laughs> I know you're, you're probably upset that he escaped and I know I'm sending him back and I'm Pretty sure in your anger you may want to punish him, but think about the fact that this was divine because had he not escaped, he would have never come to Christ and he would have never been this valuable, you know, and, and not valuable in the sense of man, Paul needs him, you know, because remember, Paul is just, at this point, he's in prison, right? So, you know, divine intervention, uh, no intervention, no salvation, and it happens to us too, right? We, we, sep- you know, in our walks, we are separated from God. So there's a separation, but we come to him. So, needless to say, Paul, again, using real uh, powerful language here. Let me, uh, for the sake of continuity, let me start with 15 again. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. No longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you? Both in flesh and in the Lord. Man, think about that. Now, he's not only making an appeal, <laughs> but to take him back and have restoration, but he's, he's, he's like highlighting the value that Wansamis has to the kingdom. Not just to them as individuals, but to the kingdom of God. So as a slave, you know, you know, as a slave, their relationship is for this age, for the age at the time. In other words, as a slave, he lives as a slave, he dies as a slave, and it's done, right? If he's not a believer in Christ. But as a beloved brother in Christ, that relationship will be eternal because they will be in heaven one day. And hence he says, both in flesh and in the Lord. Think about that. So there's reconciliation. He's coming back. He's coming back. Here, They're both believers now. So this relationship is going to go on for eternity because they're going to be in heaven together. So, you know, the relationship went from very finite, right? Slave master, at death it'll be done, to an eternal relationship. Eternal, forever, in heaven, rejoicing with the Lord. Very powerful stuff. And he's making an appeal 
to take him back, but to also, you know, restore him because Paul needs him, you know, for the for the sake of the gospel. So I'm sure there's some some uh, some things that Paul needs help with him for, right? So let's jump to the second, uh, so the last part, the last quarter of Philemon. It's only 25 verses, so now we're jumping to verse 17. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he was wronged you in any way or he owes you anything, charge that to my account. So I'm going to stop right there at the end of the sentence. So verse 17, man, he's our equal. Accept him the way you would accept me. You know, but the, the language, a partner, he uses the word, you know, if you regard me as a partner, and in the Greek, that term is actually the, the business definition of partner. So a business partner, right? But the enterprise is Christianity. So accept him as an equal. So man, he's using, you know, again, because master slave, you know, business transaction, he's using that language to equate, hey, he's, he, he's no longer, you know, an employee. Now he's a part, an equal partner in this firm of Christianity. Think about that, that language. And um, in verse 18, you know, charge it to my account, continuing the business language. Any debt that Wansimus has with Philemon, put it on Paul, don't put it on him. In other words, he wants Wansimus to have a free slate. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Wansimus correctly, by the way. I hope I am. So we go to verse 19. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention that you owe me to even your own self as well. So he threw a little jab in there. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to stop in verse 19 again. Paul says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. This, The significance of this verse is huge. Because back then, Paul would have people write letters for him. You know, he would have a scribe. So a scribe would like, you know, like me dictating, Adrian, write a letter for me. Dearest father-in-law or dearest dad. You know, and she would write, right? And so, <laughs> imagine that, that sort of thing going on. But right when he's about to make the final appeal, he takes the pen from the scribe and says, I, Paul, am writing to you from, with my own hand. He's saying, eh, no one's writing for this anymore. Now it's me. Like, he's emphasizing the, 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 the importance of the appeal by taking the pen himself and making the writing himself. Huge. Powerful. And as, 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 as believers, man, when we're making an appeal from someone, yeah, you can go through a third party. You you know you could send you know you could send somebody to do the bidding for you. But if it's something really important, get in there yourself, man, and do it yourself, and, and get in the trenches and and be involved in everything that needs to be, needs to happen. So, in verse twenty, he says, "Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ." Verse twenty one, having confidence in your obedience, uh, in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. So, man, what an appeal, man. This is just wonderful, wonderful biblical model. You know, uh, my brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. You know, Paul is constantly appealing, constantly. He doesn't lose focus, you know. He, he makes, you know, these, these things. He, he, you know, he, he speaks in love, compliments, you know, highlights how important, how, you know, the relationship and all that, but he doesn't lose focus. He stays with the appeal. And, um, here when he says on verse 21, you know, obedience, uh, confidence in your or your obedience. Obedience is, is, is important too because, uh, you know, Jesus obeyed his father. And so that's what he's saying, you know, knowing that you will do even more than what I say. You know, um, obedience, the things, you know, the son learns obedience and once the has learned obedience. And we've all learned obedience. So, you know, in, interesting language he uses. Let's go at the, let's finish it up from 22 to 25. Um, 
kind of highlight a couple of last points here, and then that that'll be that. But um, at the same time, also prepare a lo- prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. As Saphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Arist- Aristarchus, Damas, Luke, and my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Christ be with your spirit. Interesting, in the beginning of the chapter, you know, he tells them, you know, greetings, you know, from me, from Timothy, blah, blah, blah. By the way, I you know, basically copied all these people the letter to because it's a group thing, you know, church, you know, small churches things. Remember that in, in the first part? And, and at the end of the chapter, he, he brings it back to that. By the way, uh, all these other people send your regards as fellow workers, you know. But here's the thing. He's, and he makes an appeal to take a slave back. And then he's also, oh, by the way, prepare a room for me because, you know, what ends in that time weren't really, weren't really desirable. So it was better, especially as Christians in the Roman times. You know, it was better to stay at, at a fellow Christian's house than it was to stay at, at an inn or hotel. Imagine, you know, if you're going somewhere, I'd rather stay at a friend's house than I would at some, you know, motel with, you know, smelling like smoke or something, you know. So <laughs> he asked for even more. <laughs> this is, I mean, Paul really like, wow, so many dimensions, right? He, puns, you know, pity, you know, as, you know, he hasn't, you know, the, how dare you ask me for more? You know, but he asked for lodging, which was common. You know, it was common at that time. So I don't think he was going out of line. I just think, you know, reading it today, you know, in a different context, it comes up a, a little bit interesting. But at those times, it was normal. So uh, let's not downplay that. Uh, ends didn't have a good reputation, like I said. And then he asked for prayers, right? Uh, and, you know, his usual closing, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with your spirit. So, you know, Paul knew, you know, one of the things about Paul in all his epistles and all that, he knew how to open the letter. And he knew how to close the letter. It is the most wonderful greetings he would give in the beginning. And the most wonderful things he would say at the end. And you know, verse 25, so short. It's just one, two, three, four, not even ten letters. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. About ten, eleven letters. But it's so powerful. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Be with you, right? So, in recap, that's the end of Philemon. But in recap, right? This three things happen. Three parts, right? First two verses, he creates an atmosphere, you know, Christian, fellow brother, grace of the Lord, creates an atmosphere, right? Second part, you know, he makes, uh, he argues for the request for Philemon. He makes, he, and he, he, he highlights that taking Philemon back, back is for everyone's best, best interest. And then on the third part, he gets personal when he says, I am writing to you with my own hand. So, you know, lovely greeting, lovely atmosphere, set the tone, right? Make your, make your, uh, he makes the appeal, and then he makes it personal by saying, "Hey, I'm doing it with. I'm asking you with this personally, as a brother in Christ." That's the biblical model of making an appeal. You know this. You know the atmosphere is the atmosphere is that everybody they're all believers, right? Paul had enough had earned enough respect that he could have commanded him to do it. He could have, because Paul, you know, was Paul. But instead, he decided to appeal with love. And it gives us a process that 2,000 years later for us to follow, right? So, we need to appeal for the things we want. And doesn't mean we're going to get it. We may not get it, especially when you're appealing to an, an, a non-believer. They may, they may say no, but it doesn't mean you have to follow the model. You follow the model, uh, you follow the model because it is the biblical model. And why do we follow a biblical model? Because we're believers in Jesus Christ. So we need to be different. We are different. We are different, so we act different, right? How does the world make a? How does the world, worldly people, make an appeal? 
they take by force, they ask nationally, they may be ungrateful, they don't care, you know, they don't care, they just want, want, want. We're different, so we need to act differently. You know, once a miss, you know, most of the times I've heard, you know, the, whenever I've heard preaching on Philemon, it's always focused on, you know, once a miss returning to his master and being, you know, back to his owner and having restoration and now they're equal and all that. But lost in all that is the process of making an appeal. And so I hope you enjoyed the lesson. I don't know how long we've been on the... We've been quite a few minutes. But, um, you know, I hope it gives you a new perspective on how to make an appeal, right? Set the atmosphere. Make your appeal. Make it personal. Do it with love. And when I say make it personal, what I mean is the core of yourself is a Christian, a man that follows Jesus Christ. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. So that's that's what I mean when I say make it personal. And Paul gives us a very, very good model in 25 verses. That's all. He gives us the best model to how to make an appeal to not only fellow believers. It could be an issue you have with your church, with leadership in the church, maybe with your boss, with your spouse, with your kids. You know, because your kids are kids, but they have feelings too. We need to treat them as equals, especially if your kids are believers. You know, if your kids are believers in Jesus Christ, father, daughter, yeah, there's that, there's, those are roles, but you still treat them as equals, right? You don't treat them any different because they're your kid. Especially if they're believers and especially if they're... If you've taken the time to raise your child in the Lord and they've responded and they're following the biblical teachings and they're repented of their sins and all that, treat them as equals. I'm sure most of, most of you parents, I've never seen a parent not do that when their kids are believers. So kudos to you parents that do that to their kids. But uh, regardless, this is how we make an appeal. Right now during this coronavirus thing, we need to make an appeal to people to let us do our thing, but do it in love. We don't go. We don't go on the internet posting negative things, insulting other people, belittling other people because they don't agree with your views. We make an appeal and love. And so, um, it, it, you know, you could do it on a, on a small scale. You could do it on a large scale. It depends on who you're doing it to and what you're doing it for. You could you could follow the principle very quickly, or you could be intricate about it. Again, depending on the need, depending on the importance of the appeal. Right. So, any feedback would be appreciated. Send an email to. Is it Diego at FPCRTCA.com? Let me give you my personal email too, though. It's ddelama at yahoo.com. Feel free to send me an email. I'd love to, uh, if you have any questions or you disagree or, you know, the slave thing, you know, especially in today's environment, man, it's such a touchy subject. And I understand. Of course I understand. But this was biblical times and this is what it was. And it doesn't get lost to you that, you know, slave or not, we're equal. You know, as, as, as Christians, we are equal. I don't want to get into this other, uh, things going on especially right now but as believers in Jesus Christ it doesn't matter who the other person is if we're both believers we're both equal we treat them as equals we're equals and we treat our fellow even if they're not believers we treat them the same way because we're supposed to exemplify love so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the lesson next month I'm starting a new series uh, we're going back to preparation but this is, I'm going to take an interesting take on preparation we could either prepare ourselves for a life without Christ if you're not a believer or we need to prepare ourselves to what would happen to those that die without Christ what happens to those that die without Christ eternal doom awaits them we're going to talk about hell in the next couple of months um, the reason why is I read this article on uh, Expositor Magazine let me know if you want to get uh, I'll gladly forward you the, the article is, you know, I have subscription to it and you know hell is one of those forgotten doctrines because nobody wants to talk about it but it's in the Bible, and Jesus focuses heavily on it. And there's a way to teach it. 
and put it in proper context of what it means in the whole scheme of things. And so the reason why I want to focus on that in the next couple of lessons is because it is something that needs to be taught and needs to be uh, needs to be understood. You know, God doesn't God doesn't just get angry and send people to hell. You know, there's a reason for the there's a reason why that is. And so we're going to discuss all that. So I'm excited about it. Uh, you know, don't don't think of it as a drag. If anything, you know, come to the podcast and be curious about it because it's it's an interesting subject, very interesting subject. I'm gonna work really hard to make sure these lessons mean uh, are properly done so that we could have a good discussion if we ever meet in person or if you have any questions you can send me an email or even give me a call if you want to call me you know and talk about it or meet with me in person you know six feet apart or, you know and talk about it but uh yeah that'll, that'll be the next lesson uh excited about it so giving you a heads up and finally our call to action so use your prayer time to pray for those whom you're about to ask an appeal, for those you're going to make an appeal from. Pray for them. Remember, Paul prayed for, for, for Philemon, right? So pray for them. Uh, use the biblical method to show the world that we're different. Make it a point to use the biblical method to show the world that you're different. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ, so therefore you're different. Pray for our churches, for our leaders, not just our church leaders, but our local leaders, our uh Local leaders, state leaders, federal leaders, anybody in leadership position, pray for wisdom, that they have wisdom to uh, do the right thing, to care about their the people that put them there, you know, to, to care for them, and not do things for selfish reasons. Uh, so pray for them. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, will close out in prayer, and we will see you next month. I might do it again this month to make up for June. So I don't know. But, uh, because I'm pretty excited about the, the, the next uh, lesson. So I might jump on it a little quickly. So listen to this. Share it with your friends. If you see, and I'm going to, you know, Adrian, uh, post this on our Facebook page. If you get the, if you see the link, you know, for the men's ministry, please share it with your friends. Email it, share it, run to our website. Especially if you got something out of it and you think somebody else could get something out of it, please share it with your friends. Dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just praise you and thank you, Father, for everything you've done for us, Lord, for all the um, blessings you've given us with, and for the endurance you've given us during these times where things are challenging for everybody. You know, some of us have, have lost uh, material things, and some of us have lo- has lost lives. Regardless, Lord, you're in control, and you know why this is happening, and we pray for you, Lord, to give us peace, endurance, and uh, have us treat each other with love and, and, and care, Lord. You know, uh, everybody's going under stress, Father, and we know that. And so let's treat each other with respect, dignity, uh, with love as fellow human beings. We pray for everybody that's out there working in a, in a risky situation. We pray that you give them peace and safety. And for those that are without work, that you give them work soon, Father. And we just pray you, praise and thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you very much. Good evening.
Testing one, two. Testing one, two.